Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode number 117. Today, we're going to be talking again with Mr. Preston Wood, fresh off his Western States 100 run just a few days ago. So if this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. All right, welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode number 117. As you heard in the introduction, we've got Preston Wood back with us. Just a few weeks ago, we had him on talking about his, I don't know, preparation for Western States. And uh, yeah, well, Western States is over for 2018. And we got him on the show. It's only been three days. Yeah, it kind of feels like it's just been all one big long day, really. <laughs> so it's been kind of a rush. Yeah, cause uh, you, you came right back. Yeah, we did. You know, we uh, we finished up Sunday, I guess it was, and, and went back and slept, then ate, and then slept some more, and then drove back yesterday. So today's Tuesday. We drove back Monday, and, and now we're here. Well, nice. Yeah. Well, we usually launch our shows Tuesday morning, but we had to get you on. We wanted this to be fresh, so it's still in your mind, the good, the bad. If tears roll out, we won't let people know. Um, <laughs> so it's going to be, it'll be still be launching today, which is Tuesday. Um, but real quick, we did get you on just a few episodes ago. So a quick little recap. Um, you're our 300-pound lineman, um, down to a svelte one, probably 185 after the race. I don't race. know. At the end of the race, I think I was like 175. <laughs> I, yeah. I lost a lot of weight, I think. I, I looked pretty skinny, I thought. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I started around 190. Around 90. Yeah. Um, and we also talked to you, which was really cool, is uh, was the day before Squaw Peak. And you, you talked to us, and you threw it you threw it down, and you said, I want to go under 1030. And uh, I think as we walked away, I think you might have even said, you know, I'd really like to go under 10, but I didn't want to really throw it out there. Well, you did 937, yeah. so I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I had a good day at Squaw for sure. That was a good tune-up. You know, 50 miles is a lot easier than 100 miles for sure. I mean, I know that sounds funny, but, but I mean, you... Somebody at the end of Squaw said the real test of, of your manhood is the 100-mile distance, uh, a guy that's pretty dialed into it. So he uh, he kind of brought me back to earth because I had a real good day at Squaw. You right. know, 50 miles felt felt good. Yeah. And so I was pretty confident heading into Western well, after that. Well, 100 miles is 50 miles times two. Right. Yeah. Isn't that how that, that works? It'd be a little okay. probably twice as hard, right? Yeah, that's what I'm I mean. Saying. I'm not real good at math. Math-wise, it should be twice as hard. <laughs> it's but probably, probably more like than a that. lot more, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Considering your factors. And we're back at the same park. Yeah. Um, we're actually sitting under a really nice pavilion because the table we used last time is in the sun. 
Um, Preston brought the heat with him. Um, I'm just sitting here, just ready to take my shirt off, and it, we might be Nomos Pantalones by the time this <laughs> thing, man. Uh, too bad we're in a park with kids, or you know, I don't want <laughs> to go to jail. Yeah, <laughs> probably wouldn't be a good place to do that. Um, but uh, so let's get into Western states. I mean, that's why we're here. That's kind of the creme de la creme of what we did. Um, but the first thing we need to do is give you a little knock first, two knocks, and then we'll let you be happy. All right. How's that? Because yeah. that's what we bring to the table. For sure. So I saw some photos, and I did not see any uh, ripped shirts with tassels on the bottom like we <laughs> talked about. Oh, that's right. Uh, we talked about you cutting them and tying them like Ultimate Warrior. Didn't see the photos. I'm not saying it didn't happen. Like, I'm not going to completely throw you under the bus, but... Uh, we said we'd sponsor a new shirt. Didn't see any of those. <laughs> um, we also talked a little bit about you uh, finishing in the top 100. You were 106. Yeah. Oh. So, yep. So not sure what we need to do for training next time to get <laughs> six more places up. <laughs> but I think coming away from it, if that's our if that's our only knocks, I think we're okay. Because um, you did have a goal, and you did throw it down. And, I mean, yep. me and Joel, I listened to the podcast um, yesterday to kind of, you know, prep for it. And you said, I'm going to go, I'd like to go under 24. And both me and Joel at the same time, I go, whoa, like, yeah, nice. that's serious. Um, and you did, 23.41. Yep. Which means you get the big shiny silver bucket. Yeah, I brought yeah. it with me, actually. Is that what that is? Yeah. I, oh, it's in the box. Yeah. Ooh, that is pretty. Oh, man. So is, it's all nice and shiny here in the box. That scares me. Yeah, Don't hand it even over to me. They gave us a cloth for it. But uh, while you guys are... That's nice. I don't want to touch it because if I drop the, it on the concrete, oh, I'm going to feel bad. It's all good. A but uh, going back to your day. first two knocks. That's so cool. So uh, with the shirt, though, I just would have felt like the elites might have gotten a little offended and wanted to fight me because that's what they all did seriously, right? They I all saw that. holes in the yeah. shirts. They all... Super diamond yeah, pattern. Yeah, yeah. they're like all patterned up. and I Would, would just, they have seen you? I, yeah, at the start, okay. you know, yeah, for but sure. They would have been told jelly uh, yeah, of your tassels on the bottom. For sure. Come on. I could have fought them all, too, I'm sure. Easily. Yeah. <laughs> you outweigh them by a good 50 yeah, pounds. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You'd have been like, fellas. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> and so I I would have felt like they might have taken it as mocking. I didn't want to be that big of a, a D-bag about that. You didn't want to take away from their Yeah, exposure. exactly. You know, they're, they're doing it for their sponsors, you know. Right. I, you know, Ric Flair probably would sponsor me if he knew how tough we, I was. We said right? he would. But, if you'd yep. have ended up yeah. on the cover of the magazine, For they sure. would have felt bad. They would have got, yeah. like, inside cover. Yeah. Right? Or back cover where all the, <laughs> where all the uh, ads go for nutrition. Right. No doubt. They would have put it in there somewhere. I would have been the talk of the race, for sure. Been. Who's the guy with the just the, the sweet stash and that sweet gear? Yeah, you that's know? what they would have been wondering. And then... Then you would have saw at the award ceremony. They would have all done that to their polos. They would have. They all, all would have followed. Polos, they yeah. all would have followed for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll check this no, out. And, and then we'll get to the other knock of the, the no top 100 because I, I really did want that pretty did bad. Did you? Yeah. Okay. I, was, I was pushing pretty hard. Well, hey, you know what? That's just We can maybe fun. let that slide. This yeah. yeah. It's, it's just all in fun because I tell you what, sub 24, like even your buckle says one day. Yeah. I didn't, that's, that's super not, cool. I wear yeah. that buckle all the time. Oh, yeah. I would too. I'd I'll be wearing it to any event that requires me to tuck a shirt in. I think. You know what? Even not. Wanna I mean, just, like, just the front, right? You yeah. want to start a new yeah. trend? Bolo tie it. Bolo tie. It. 
How would that be? Uh, that's going to be a health hazard. I would not do that. Just around my neck? Well, you I, can, I don't you, know. You get some massages. Cut off that Adam's apple. Yeah, uh, I could put it on a chain like Flavor Flav. There you, there you now go. With that, that's better. where we're getting but, at. Much but better. Just, just jack it up for the like the dressy days. Right? Yeah, so for you sure. Got your, you just got a nice tight chain. Nah, man. The dressy days, you just wear a button down. But you still do. You wear a button down. You only button And you only button the top two buttons. For sure. All the buttons undone. Just the top two and then the bolo. So kind of a bolo chain. Yeah, no, that'd be that'd be the real deal, right? That'd you, be the real. If deal. you want to make your mark, you gotta go big. I gotta start. I gotta start following your guys' fashion advice. You <laughs> know, I, I would have. I would have already had all my pictures by now if I would have done the shirt thing. It would have been right? all over the oh, Western yeah. States Facebook page. For oh, sure. Yeah. Who's this clown? Yeah. Right? <laughs> they would have been wondering. Who's <laughs> this guy? It would have been yeah. like hashtag he's bringing it. That's yeah, it would have right. been. been. And for then sure. they would have the award ceremony, the bolo cholo, and yeah. <laughs> it's like a new thing. Yeah, someone's gonna make that Instagram handle. Yeah, they are for sure. <laughs> Just because of that. So. Yep. Um, but yeah, we want to we want to break down the race. We want to kind of get. The inside scoop for a lot of us who haven't run. We also want to give some tips for people that want to run. Um, but I guess what everybody wants to know, probably before anything, is like at what point did you realize you weren't going to catch Walmsley? <laughs> uh, you know, as soon as I, uh, I, as soon as the gun went off, I kind of <laughs> knew that it was over. Did you? Did you, you know, I, uh, you, you know, I was, I was so worried. I, I wore a jacket to the start line. And my wife and crew, everybody stayed back in the car yeah. while I walked up. Because it was kind of cold, you know, yeah. at the right. start. It was like 40 degrees or something. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you're at like 6,500 feet there at the start at Squaw Valley. And so I was more worried about trying to give my jacket so I didn't right. lose my nice, you know, running jacket that I have. And so I was more concerned about that. And I actually, I saw Zach Marion. And I was like, hey, Zach, can you give this to Katie? So Zach grew up down the street from my wife, Katie. Okay. And actually, Zach's little sister's how I met my wife. Oh, okay. Um, they were best friends growing up. And so I was like, Zach, just give this to Katie. Find her somehow. Right. And that's what I was more focused on. But it wouldn't have mattered anyways. I mean, I, the only chance I would have had is if I would have ran up there and tripped like Jim and Francois. So, <laughs> so what, you're, what you're saying around about ways you gave him a head start? I did. You okay. know, I... Yeah, and a different my race. poor planning gave them the head start. Gave them a head start. Plus, you had a different tr- racing plan. Yeah, right. Yours wasn't to go out fast like theirs. <laughs> yeah. So just the mix of the two, it was just kind of meant to be, right? Yeah, for That's sure. It. You know, I I wanted to let him, you know, feel good at the start of the race. <laughs> you know, I, and I wanted to run my own race. It was his year. It was his year. Yeah. You know, when I when I actually when I went to race check in, the I think it was. It's one of their guys on the board. I, I don't know who any of those Western States big wigs are, but they're all there, and they're yeah. very involved in the check-in and, and the process. But he said, oh, I, I thought you were Jim Walmsley for a minute. He said, That was the first thing he said to me, and I, I thought Shot that was pretty wall. funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, You're like, okay, finish. Yeah, checking. it's all good. <laughs> Can I just check in now? Yeah. <laughs> or better yet, we'll just give me his bib number. Yeah. We'll yeah. see how this yeah, plays out. For sure. <laughs> so, anyways, but we can, we can start through the whole process because – it's it's pretty interesting how they run things out there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I went out there once um, to uh, pace and crew Jim Skagg, so you know I kind of got the first hand feel. But just looking online now, it looks like it's even grown much more than when I was there. Like yeah, just, I mean, it's been I don't know how many years it's been. It's been five plus years, maybe right in there. So tell us a little bit about that. You arrive in. Squaw Valley, um, you go to race check-in, kind of walk us through a quick process because we definitely want to hit to the race, but walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so we, you check in the day before the race, you can do it anywhere from 9 until like 1 o'clock, 
and uh, you, you go in, and it's just crazy. I mean, there there's camera crews everywhere now. I mean, the Cowboys had their camera crews. You had the Solomon crew with their camera crews. You had all sorts of random just it – was, it was insane. I mean, you see all the, the big guys that make the movies on, on YouTube, you know, like Billy Yang's running around. You know, you just see all these big, huge names in, in ultra running, and they're just right there. You know, that's one of the coolest things about our sport. I mean, I towed the line at the same race as, as arguably the two best guys in the sport right now with, with Jim and Francois. I mean, I don't know if there's anybody that could could argue that between the two different styles. Well, and, first and second is what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they were first and second, and they're, you know, two different styled runners, and then Courtney DeWalter, and you're just seeing all the all the top females running around. And, I mean, it, it, it was insane. I yeah. mean, everywhere you look, there's somebody that, to me, is famous. Yeah. Right. And to my wife, she's like, well... Who are they? Yeah, you know? exactly. It's like, what's up, Frank? <laughs> yeah, you know, and so, you know, Ryan Sands is there walking around the winner of last year's race because he, he's pacing Francois. And I, I walked up to him and I was like, if I had a pen, I'd have you sign sign the program. And he just chuckled because his face is, you know, on the program. Right. And, you know, everybody's trying to take pictures with him, obviously, too. But, you know, I can't even imagine the pressure on those guys, first of all. Just the, the hype surrounding the race is the real deal. I mean, you hear people talk about it. But it is the Super Bowl of ultra running in the United States. Yeah, I can't imagine what UTMB is going to be like. You know, <laughs> that's like ten. I mean, that's like yeah, yeah, because there's so many more people running right. the race. So I bet they actually can hide a little bit better there. True. But where there's only 369 starters, I think at this race, it's pretty. It's a small group of runners, yeah. but there's so many people. Right. So you go and you check in, and they're real strict with their check-in policy, right? You have to show ID. They give you a gold wristband that you have to wear the rest of the weekend. Right. Um, you go through, they take your picture, they take an official picture with, with your bib number, and then they attach that to your tracking. Uh, then you go through and they give you a bag that says Western States 100 on it. You know, they're very well branded, obviously, oh, yeah. with their logo. And then you walk through and they just give you the most free stuff you've ever gotten in your life. <laughs> uh, it was crazy. I mean, a shirt, a hat, uh, dry max socks that say Western States 100 mile endurance run one day, 2018. Right. Uh, all sorts of food, uh, three different buffs, you know, a Western States custom buff, a couple other just company buffs. I mean, it, I probably almost got my race entry just right there. Yeah, the, walk, it, walking yeah, out with a sore arm. In your swag bag. <laughs> and I think it's because, you know, the, the brands have realized that it's such a big deal that, you know, just to get their their name out there, they're, they're willing to give so much away. Right. You know, you get squirrels nut butter for free. You get anything you can think of almost. I think I got something from every major, like, ultra company that you could pretty much come up with. Now, did squirrels nut butter, did they have a lube station there? Oh, uh, they did. Sweet. Yeah, so they somebody, had lots of lube stations. Did they have, like, somebody with gloves just jump on in, I'll take care of it? Uh, you know, they they Lubologist. did but they they did have people monitoring to make sure that the same you know big popsicle sticks didn't get used. On yeah, the, you no, know. Double dick in, <laughs> no, right? no double dipping. No double dipping. Yeah, on, on the SNB. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. yeah so so the, we went through check in and then um, I met up with Brandon Dace and we went to the meeting at two o'clock and that's a big you know dog and pony show. Yeah. It's crazy. It's long. Huh? It's long. <laughs> it's hot. Yeah. Um, you know, saw Amy Blackham there. Uh, as well at the meeting, and with Seth, her husband, and and Jeremy Swinsky was there with with her crew. Um, it, it was just it was a madhouse, and they sat outside. Me and Brandon are kind of fanboying it on all the all the the top dogs, so we went right. and watched and sweat and stood there. And but it, it's it's cool. Yeah, it, the experience of Western states, whether you're pacing or running, is just a really neat experience. Um, just because how it's run. Yeah. So that was all all the pre-race hubbub. 
right? And then went home and tried to sleep. <laughs> after <laughs> all the, that, going after through all your that, bag and trying to figure out what yeah, you're going to keep. We went and got some pizza that night and then went to bed. Was the you pizza, know? like, logoed Western State? Uh, it wasn't. <laughs> the pizza was in Tahoe City. Tahoe okay. City's a cool town. Yeah, it's really cool. Really cool. Uh, so we went in there, just this little pizza shop. We walked in, and, and my pacer, Heather, wanted a salad, so we asked him if they had salad, and all the guys all at once in unison said, no salads. Awesome. <laughs> so they just, had, they just had calzones and pizza and ice cream, and it was great little pizza shop. So they didn't put, like, pepperoni and, like, number 100 on your pizza? No, they okay. didn't. It was the only thing I ate that wasn't branded all weekend, <laughs> I think. <laughs> that you know of. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, yeah, went back, tried to relax. I actually got some pretty good sleep. I think I got about five hours that That's night. Really good. Yeah. That's I mean, really I, I just, I have to keep telling myself the night before a big race that the work's done. Right. Me being nervous isn't going to change anything better or worse. So I tried to get, get some sleep and... We woke up at 4 o'clock, and we're at the race start by, like, 4.30. You know, I, I always take a shower the day of the race. Oh, I okay. like to I loosen that. up, feel good, right? feel clean for once, you know, because I'm, like, I'm not going to feel clean the rest of the day. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, put on the Ric Flair shirt, got everything, you know, ready to go, double, triple checked everything, um, and away we went. Nice. So to the start line, and we kind of went over that. I hung out there, saw Brandon there again. Uh, Brandon Dace and we chatted. He was he was pretty fired up to give it a go. He'd been out to the Western States training run. He, you know, we all had big goals going into the day, and and uh, we knew it was going to be a scorcher. And we just both kept telling each other, "Be smart, don't be dumb." Yeah, don't be dumb. A hundred miles is a long ways, and so um, unless you're I, Carl, yeah, unless you're Carl, then, then it's, it's not, not too far. far. <laughs> it's but it's hard. It That's what hard. he started to change it to. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard, but it's not that far. <laughs> right, and so. We, uh, I just kept telling Brandon, um, just walk this whole first four and a half miles up the escarpment, right? right. So for those that don't know, the race starts at the, at the ski resort at the bottom, and you just you, you go straight up. I mean, it's like 2,500 feet and four miles. Yeah. And it's, it's just like any ski resort, fire roads and a little right. bit of single track, just normal, you know, gain. But, you know, what do you really gain in a 100-mile race in the first four miles if you run that whole thing? Nothing. Maybe 10 minutes. Ask right. Florian. Yeah. Yeah, Florian went out pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, lots of people. To the top and yeah, lots of people went out really fast. And some people held on and some didn't. You know, it, it's one of those things where you, you get told it enough that it doesn't matter, but you still get pumped up for the race. Right, right. with all the hoopla and the people around you. And so many people at yeah. the start. Drones everywhere, yeah. cameras everywhere. People with these big, huge, fancy cameras on these huge gimbals, you know, chasing everybody. And, right. You know, you start to see, like, you know, the run steep, get high camera crew guys. And, and er, I mean, you get to the top, and there's just even more cameras. And there's just right. there's cameras everywhere. It's, it's insane. You feel like you're a pro, even when you're just an average <laughs> Joe. You know, that's that's the coolest part of it, probably. So everybody out there that's planning Western States or would like to get in in the future, make sure you're well-groomed. Yeah, you uh, got to look true. good. Race morning. Be you got to look good. Yeah. Because you're going to get a lot of pictures taken of you. And and they'll last. Yep. And so we, we get up the climb, and I, I walked every step. I mean, I didn't really care. But looking back, that was – I got a little frustrated because you get up to the top, and then it's – it's pretty classic mountain single track when you get up there. And for us that are pretty accustomed to those sorts of trails, it was pretty buttery good trails, I thought. Was it? And, but I was far enough back that there was people that were not confident running on that stuff. Uh-oh. And so it was like, 
as Amy Black and said later when she caught up to me, because she started slow and smart too, and she's a smart hundred mile racer. Oh, yeah, she's really awesome. smart, really accomplished. And uh, she's like, I can't believe people are are causing a reverse conga line. Right. Like yeah. we were, there was conga lines on the downhills, not oh. on the uphills. Oh wow! <laughs> and so it was just lines and lines of people to pass, and you know, you were trying to play it smart and not stress yourself out by trying to pass everybody. And, right. And so I just kept saying, okay, get to the first aid station. Yeah. Mile ten, and then hopefully I can just blow through and pass a bunch of these people. So how how you say to mile ten? I mean, how crowded is it? Because you hear a lot of races. Oh, we're going to start here, but that'll give people time to spread out. It but was pretty saying, crowded. So the, like through mile ten, it was kind of like still pretty. I would say through mile through the the second aid station, uh, I think it's sixteen or seventeen. It was really crowded. Still, huh? Yeah. Wow. Um, but I was. I think I I started probably. Back third, I yeah. think the first aid station I was in like 220th place or something. So you right. moved up. So uh, yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, and so I, I was just maybe too far back. Right. Maybe I should have started a little bit ahead. You know, Eric Nelson, who I met later in the race from Salt Lake, I think he started just a little bit ahead of me mm-hmm. and didn't have as many problems. I was gonna say that. So that might be the flip to taking that climb yeah. a little quicker then, right? And it's not necessarily ahead. running it hard, but being a little more aggressive. On the right. Home. Yeah, and it, it's cool enough that you're not. You know, I, I guess that's the the catch is you, you've got to choose. Do I just take it real easy and have to deal with all the other people? Or do mm-hmm. I just kind of go a little harder and, and be in a place where I can run loose? Because right. I felt like I was running tight uh, oh, those yeah. first 10 miles. I was just stressed. Right, I, couldn't, yeah. I couldn't even just do a comfortable stride, a comfortable jog. I was I felt like I was forcing myself to slow down. And, and maybe it paid off at the end. Maybe not. True. It's just hard to ever know, really. But it kept you in the heat longer. Yeah, and that's the key. So, anyways, we get through those first couple aid stations, and and the high country out there, I can't tell you enough. It is it is incredibly beautiful. Yeah, it is one of the coolest you know sections of trail I've ever run. I would liken it to the Skyline Trail here, uh, but with huge pine trees. Oh, just okay. huge pines. Um, you're up high. You're lots of ridge running. Yeah, from mile ten to sixteen, you're like on a ridge, and it is just so neat to see. And and uh, you know. It was it was very enjoyable. The scenery was. If if it wouldn't have been such a log jam, it would have been even more enjoyable. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so that's about when Amy Blackham caught up to me, and uh, her and I worked together all the way to Devil's Thumb. Probably we were just kind of working in and, and out together. Just give people an idea of distance of Devil's Thumb. So Devil's Thumb. So last chance I think is at 46, and then the climb to Devil's Thumb starts at like. 50 and okay. a half or so. So quite a bit of distance. Yeah, quite a bit of distance. Yeah, we, and, and that helped to have somebody to talk to, yeah. somebody that I knew was going to run a smart race yeah. and stay within herself. So I, I knew we were we were probably being pretty smart. Uh, and her husband, Seth, every time he'd see me, be smart. You know, that's <laughs> all he said to me all day, be smart. And so anyways, but we get into Robinson. Well, I'll back up. So Duncan Canyon's the first real big aid station. Right. Because crew can go to, to Duncan Canyon. And my crew didn't go there because it's a real long trek. It's a really long uh-huh. trek. <laughs> yeah. And so you can basically either go to Duncan Canyon or Robinson Flat. Right. You have to pick one. And so we picked Robinson Flat because it was easier. And so we get into Duncan Canyon, and it is the craziest scene I'd ever seen. I mean, that, that's scene, scene. That sounded kind that's of bad. Okay. We know what but, you mean. But uh, it was intense. People screaming. I mean, like the the head aid station guy's just on this megaphone, just and here's Preston Wood, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, nice. and they're just like screaming, and and somebody immediately grabs me and is like, "What do you need? 
let's get you going. You know, they're they're like, let's get out of here. Come on, yeah. let's go. And you know, they're they're asking me, okay, where do you want the ice? And I, I had a bandana on right. that I used for to, to carry ice on my neck all day. And then they just had ice sponge baths at every aid station. Nice. They said it was like 65 pounds of ice or something per runner this year, something insane like wow. that. And so you get in there, they totally drench you, and then you're on your way, right? I, I refilled on some electrolyte stuff, some different sorts of things. And, yeah, away we went. And down from Duncan Canyon you go, and then you hit your first big climb a couple miles after that. Right. And to me, that, that was the hardest climb of the day. I don't know why. If I was discouraged because I had, you know, my 24-hour goal in mind right. and I was a little behind, mm-hmm. but I knew I would be. Yeah. But I, it was hot and it was long. So the short grunt climbs don't bug me. Like when I say grunt, I mean like a 1,000 feet in a mile and that's it. I can do that. Right. I can mentally say, okay, it's a mile. I know what that right. is. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. But when it's, you know, three and a half miles from the bottom after Duncan Canyon up to Robinson Flat and you're gaining, you know, felt like a couple thousand feet those kill me a lot more than the shorter, steeper climbs. Mm. And it was exposed, and I, I started to get real hot and, and had to really keep my focus there. So what, what yeah. time of day was that? Would you, would you So call? I got to Robinson Flat at 11.30, I think. Okay, and it was just starting to get hot. It was starting to get, yeah, hot. starting to get hot. And that's where the fire section was, oh. between Duncan Canyon and, and Robinson Flat. So it's real open. It's really beautiful in a way, I mean, where the fire's been and to see the new growth coming through. But that's where, at the bottom of Duncan Canyon is where you, you have your first opportunity to jump in a creek. And uh, I jumped in a creek. And uh, so jumped in there and then walked up. And, and I got to the aid station. And, and we were in and out. You know, I saw my crew there at Robinson. And, and that's the key of my day, I think, is at the Bear, I wasted so much time in aid stations. Mm-hmm. But you have to be so focused to go under 24 hours. That right. was my biggest takeaway from the weekend is the the amount of focus that it takes to run under 24 hours in a 100-mile race is incredible. And if you lose focus, you you can lose your goal. Right. And so we were in and out. I, you know, food-wise all day, I feel like I'm kind of rambling here, guys. So no, you're doing interject. great. We're not okay. going to interrupt you. Okay. So I, I get into Robinson Flat, and my plan nutritionally all day was to eat, you know, my normal stuff at aid stations, which is usually potatoes and salt or watermelon and salt. So I did that at every aid station I could. And then I was do- using goos. I used toasted marshmallow goo right. all day. That's my. Good. I like it. I mean, if it's going to be sweet, it might as well be something that's supposed <laughs> to be that sweet. Right. It tastes pretty real, like a real marshmallow. And then I was using the Roctane drink um, all day. And so that's what I was using for my electrolytes um, and, I, and lots of calories because I think two scoops of that's like 250 calories. Yeah. Right. So I was trying really hard. 300 to 450 calories an hour, and I did really well wow. on my nutrition plan because okay. um, I sweat a ton. I mean, I, I really go through the electrolytes. And so I, I get into Robinson Flat. We get in and out. You know, Mike, Heather, my pacer's husband, was he was real dialed in. He was real good. Him and my wife both all day were just so dialed in on split times um, while my brother took all the pictures and, you know, and Heather right. worried he about He was your staying. paparazzi. Yeah, right? he was yeah. my paparazzi. And, uh, and then Heather tried to stay rested as much as she could because, right. I mean, she had to run 38 miles later. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so Mike was like, okay, you're, you're, you're like 45 minutes behind. And I was like, I know. I, I should be right now. This, yeah. is, this is where I, I can start to make some time up. And he's like, okay, right. just stay focused. You can do it. Stay yeah. focused. You know, that's, that's what I told him to remind me is to just stay focused because that's the key. And so we take off and out of Robinson Flat. 
is 16 miles of downhill, basically. Right. There's a few little climbs. And as we're leaving Robinson Flat, I hear this voice. And uh, I was like, I know that voice. So it wasn't in your head. No. <laughs> and let me back up. So in Robinson Flat, it was good, though, too, because that's when I first saw Seth and Jeremy Sawinski. And okay. they, you know, they were teasing me. I saw Chris Pope there. Logan Ledford was there because they yeah. were pacing Eric Nelson, who right. I hadn't met yet still at this point in the race. And so, uh, you know, I tell, I told Seth that Amy was right behind me. She was doing good. You know, we're rolling, and they're, you know, be smart. They're teasing me, getting me all excited. You know, it's fun to see people you know. Yeah. Right. And then we get out of the aid station. I hear this other voice that I know that I, and, you know, Dean Carnassus is there. He's running. Right. And, uh, you know, I I wasn't going to blow his cover because I've heard him talk about that in races, about how many selfies he has to take. Oh, yeah. And so so I thought nobody was around, and I was like, hey, Dean – um, how how many little uphill sections are there on this part? You know, that's all I asked him. Yeah. And he's like, well, there's quite a few, but they're pretty short. Right. But it's mostly downhill. And I was yeah. like, okay, that's good to know. So he was cool about yeah, it. Yeah, he was cool because okay. I just asked him a question, right? Yeah, right? Like, it was a legitimate, like, hey, I know you've run this course. I would have been like, you shave your legs. <laughs> but I was like, you know, and I was like, okay, thank you. And then, of course, somebody heard, is that Dean Carnassus? And I was like, oh, crap. He's going to hate me. And then he yeah. caught up to me later and I was like, Dean, I'm sorry I blew your cover, man. Right. And he's like, oh, it's okay. You know, because I, I, I wasn't looking, you know, to bug him. Right. I, I can imagine how frustrating that could get at times. That's Joel. Yeah. I, I know, right? <laughs> right? You can't hit a race without people like, hey, what's up, Eric? Eric? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joel's you like, just roll with it. Joel's like, all right, here's a selfie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I. Anyway, so I saw Dean Carnassus there. He gave me the heads up, and then it started to get really hot, <laughs> um, really hot. I think at the river, they said when Walmsley crossed, at the main river crossing at 78, um, it was 106. Wow, yeah, I saw that. It was pretty hot. Yeah, and pretty so warm. you start cooking, but I was able to stay wet. You know, the best thing, main reason I wore that Ric Flair shirt is it's a good texture to, to absorb the water. Right. Everybody had some sort of cotton poly blend that right. was going to absorb water and not, yeah. not repel it. And so uh, I was staying wet. I was trying to stay cool, staying focused. My legs felt like lead already right? Uh, just because it was hot. And I just kept saying, force yourself to run, but don't run too hard. Right. You know, I was running like 10 minute, 10, 30 miles. And it starts with like a pretty smooth fire road. Right. And you're going down and then you'd have a section where you'd go up. And then we finally got to some single track. And, and this is where I met the coolest person of the day. Okay. I got to tell you guys about this. So there's this lady and she's an older lady. I can tell, but I, I had no idea how old she was. And I was like, hey, so you're running pretty strong. How many silver buckles do you have? Uh-huh. And she's like, well, I've got four. It's like, okay, so are we going to get another one today? And she's like, well, that's the plan, but that would be a record. Oh. I was like, well, what do you mean that would be a record? She's like, well, I'm 60 years old. I'd be the oldest female to ever earn a silver buckle, nice. and I'd have the record for over 60 yeah. right. for female. And I was like, okay, well, what's your name? And she's like, my name's Diana, and I, I had no idea who she was, but it was Diana Fitzpatrick yeah. is her name. And she's kind of a legend. She's on the Western States board. Right. Uh, she... She was so nice, though, and she's like, you know, if we're smart and we run hard from Forest Hill, uh, we can get it. Okay. And, you know, so that that was my mantra all day with everybody that I ran by is we can get it. We can get that silver buckle. Right. You know, stay focused, right? And so she really helped give me some confidence that we were running a smart race, and she could tell my effort wasn't where I was killing myself killing either, right. right? You know, we were running smooth. So I worked with her for a couple miles, and... uh 
we we just worked in and just kind of in and out of aid stations. I, I don't remember all of them, but it's like Dusty Corners is in there. Right. Um, sounds like a pretty funny name. Dusty Bottoms. Dusty Bottoms. Yeah. Dusty Corners. <laughs> um, it was a good aid station. They're all good aid stations, though. Got drenched there. Was still able to eat. Perfect. My nutrition plan was going good. Um, and then you get into Last Chance. And mile mile forty six. Okay. So this is the aid station before you drop down into the canyon before the Devil's Thumb climb. Right. Gotcha. That's why they call it Last Chance, I think, because gotcha. it's your last chance right. <laughs> to cool off, to get out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was a really good aid station, like extra good. They were they were real focused on getting everybody cool, and uh, we get in there, and Amy's right there with me. She kind of gave me a boost going into that aid station. I hit kind of a low before that in calories, I think. Usually in a hundred miles, you guys know, if you hit a low, it's for a reason, right? right? You got to just try to process what that reason is and yeah. force yourself to fix it and adjust. So I took in some calories before the aid station, then ate as much as I could at that aid station, drinking a lot of Coke throughout the day, a lot of ginger ale, uh, trying to get easy calories too, because they're easy. Uh, and then they tell us, okay, it's two miles down to Devil's Thumb and then two miles out right. the other side. And there's a river down there, and it's it, there's Swinging Gate Bridge, they call it, down there at the bottom. And I started the descent, and this is when I really started to feel the heat. And I figured this is about the time that Wamsley and those guys were crossing the river. Right. Was, so they were probably at 78-ish, and I right. was, you know, at about 50. And uh, it was so hot on the downhill. Like, it, I felt like I was baking. So it's it, like a convection up it down is. there. The lower you go, like every step you're going down... It's just, it is nasty and muggy. And Ooh. and it started, I started doing the math in my head, though, and I was like, well, there's no way that it's just two miles down there because Brandon, who ran it, Brandon Dace, who ran it in the training run, said it's only a mile and a quarter, and Brandon is pretty dialed in. He's right. not going to say that that climb is only a mile and a quarter if it's two miles. Right. And so we get to the bottom, and I was like, well, that was three miles. And so I was like... Ah, three miles. That was that was the worst three miles of my life. Right. And if I felt like I wasn't moving, and I I hurried, and I I didn't want to, but you have to climb down to the river off the trail. Right. Like it's not just an easy dunk at this one. But yeah. I was like, I've got to do it. Got to jump in the river. So I right. go and I I like cannonball into the river. <laughs> nice. You know, I, and I I cooled off. I sat there for a minute, and I was like, okay, we got to climb. Yep. And I I knew it was going to be steep. But the surprising part for me, it, it, where we were in the race, it was shaded almost the whole time. Oh. So it was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Because everybody had said how they bake on devils. Well, I baked on the downhill. Right. where the sun was. Gotcha. And then the uphill was kind of a relief, to be honest with you. With all that water yeah, and, in it, too. And it, after all the downhill, I mean, that was after 16 miles of downhill, the uphill, I just convinced myself that it was a relief. Okay. Uh, even though it wasn't. But <laughs> I convinced myself. And one thing they told us at that last chance aid station was that there's popsicles at Devil's Thumb. Gotcha. You know, when you start struggling, just remember the popsicles at Devil's Thumb, and that'll that'll help you. All right. And so start climbing. And, you know, the, I, I'd been working with the same people all day, you know. So Amy's there just a little bit ahead of me. Um, we're, we're working it. We're working it. It is steep. It's like... I don't know how to explain it around here. I mean, down in the Draper area, it reminded me of Cherry Canyon. Um, here, it reminded me of some of the steeper parts of Maylands. You know, it's huh. it's like that kind of a climb, right? right. 1,200 feet in a mile. Right. Um, and you just get through it, and we're chatting, we're staying focused, and we get to the top of that aid station, and, 
and there it, it was a great aid station. They they helped cool us off, and that's where I first saw Eric Nelson, the other Utah that I hadn't met. You right. know, we and so he left before me, and then Amy was starting to struggle with her stomach there, and I I got out of the aid station quick and took off, and uh, that section is pretty runnable from the top of Devil's Thumb, then you go down to into what they call El Dorado Creek, which is at mile 52. And so this section from from basically Last Chance to Michigan Bluff, mile 47, 48 to 54, 55-ish, it, it takes forever. Yeah. You know, and I think that's part of the problem, too, is mentally you've just got to know that you're going to be uncomfortable. Right. But you've got to stay on top of your calories and your hydration or else you're going to cook. And I, I just kept moving forward, staying focused. And we get into El Dorado Creek, and me and Eric started working together a little bit. Hit the bottom there real quick. It was all, that again, the descent was all in the sun. Right. So baking in, on the descent, I started to cramp a little bit um, on my inner thigh, my inner left thigh. And so I, I, I backed off for a minute and, you know, did a few things, took a couple salt tabs. I think it's more of a mental thing than anything because right. immediately my cramp went away. Yeah. Uh, there's no way it worked that fast. No. <laughs> but I, I walked it off for a minute and was able to run the rest of the way into the aid station. Um, so that's like a five-mile segment, I think, from the top. Well, no, it, it was probably only about three. It seemed like about ten. <laughs> but three-mile segment down into this other canyon to El Dorado Creek and stopped at the aid station, and we hiked out. Um, all in the shade again, so that was a relief. I just kept telling myself it was a relief. Right. Um, and that climbs a little longer, but not as steep. And again, I'd prefer the Devil's Thumb climb to to that climb because it's right. shorter and mm-hmm. you feel like it's done faster. Uh, and then get to Michigan Bluff, and that's where you really started to see people struggling a lot. Uh, so that's mile 54 or 55, um, and it's hot and it's on a paved road, Ooh. and it's yeah, it. It's where I started to wonder if I was going to make 24 hours. Right. Um, I was still about, I was 25 minutes behind now, so I'd, I'd cut some cut time off. off. But I was like, man, here we are at 50 whatever. You know, I'm 13 plus in, hours into the race, and I've got to pretty much run an even split yeah, at this do. point to to get her done. And maybe even negative split. Because you're about the, halfway through at yeah, that point. Yeah, a little over half. Mm-hmm. I think our halfway, I think our 50 miles was in, I mean, I think I did negative split it. I'd have to go back and look. Right. I haven't been able to mentally process the splits yet. <laughs> but uh, I think we ran it in about 12.15, that first 50 miles. Right. Maybe 12.20. And it it was uh, it was not the hardest I could have pushed, but it, I felt like I had pushed it pretty good. Right. Under control, but pretty good. And so I get in there, and, and I see Chris Pope again and my crew, and, and Chris Pope's like, well, how, how's your hydration doing? I was like, I think pretty good. He's like, well, have you peed? And I was like, <laughs> I can't no. remember the last time I peed. And he's like, well, have you been taking electrolytes? And I was like, yeah, I've been taking a ton. I I couldn't tell you how many things of Roctane I drank, and I'd right. taken four salt tabs. And I was like, I think my electrolytes are fine. He's like, well, do you think you've had too many? It's like, I might have. Right. I might be on that other side of, of right. the spectrum. And with the heat and my stomach had started to kind of feel like the, you right. know, like it, it wasn't ready to throw up, but it was just like it wasn't processing anything. Right. Everything was stuck there. And I was like, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk out of here and I'm just going to drink water and see if I can flush some of this through. Right. And so I did that for 15 minutes is all it took of me just drinking water and I, I peed. 
Right. And my stomach started to feel better. And okay. then there's a, a nice, after you climb a bit, there's another nice descent. And this one was all shaded. Hmm. And I, it's called Volcano Canyon, I think. Right. This is before the big Forest Hill Aid Station where I pick, can pick up my pacer. So I'm, I'm working okay. I'm starting to feel better now. It's starting to cool off finally. What time of day? So about it would have been about 7 o'clock. At mm-hmm. night? Yeah. Okay. And so for the first part of your race, not doing the second half, for the first part of your race, did it go according to how you were hoping it would go? Like you had a game plan going in. Was that kind of close as you think you could have been, or was there anything off? So I thought I was going to be faster, Okay. Um, to be honest. The effort at Squaw Peak felt so easy. I mean, I, to to say that, I don't mean to be to sound rude or anything, but I, I felt so controlled at Squaw Peak that I thought it'd be silly if I didn't run 1030 right. that first half at, at Western. <laughs> I mean, I really, like, in my mind, I was like, oh, man. But at the same time, I knew I had to be smart. Right. So I wasn't going to go out there and just say, I'm running a 1030 first 50 no matter what, or I'm running an 11-hour first right. 50. And so I just kind of played it by feel, which probably saved my day right I, I would have died probably out there if i if i hadn't run that way uh but it, it took everything i had mentally to to not give up and say okay well i'm running way too slow to to achieve this right because who who in their right mind thinks they're going to run as fast the second half of 100 as they did the first half not many people not many right but the course lays out that way yeah. True. out there so you're going through the heat you're going through all these canyons all the climbing and the hard climbs are out of the way at that point. Right. The climb out of Volcano Canyon into Forest Hill is not bad. I was able to, to hike very quickly and with some spurts of flat running, you know, because there's some switchbacks in there. I, I mean, we're talking like a 15-minute mile right. of that. So, I mean, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. And you're in the shade and, you're, you know, there's a creek down there. The front runners, that's one of their worst canyons, I think, right. is Eldorado or Volcano Canyon because of where the sun is. It's so gotcha. funny to just hear everybody's stories of where, where it's the worst. There's time of yeah, the race. because most of them, it's from Volcano Canyon to the river is their worst section, those guys at the front. Right. But for uh, where I was in the race... It was from the descent into Devil's Thumb until Forest Hill Right, what the hardest part was. So get into Forest Hill and you hit some pavement there again. Um, the pavement at Michigan Bluffs like not even a quarter mile. Yeah. So it, that's the other great thing about this race. I don't think people talk about it enough. It is so much single track. Right. It is crazy that they were able to string so much single track together. Right. And that's what makes it so unique as well. Because, you know, we, we have a lot of good single track races here, but th- there's a lot of fire road. Yeah, true. So... Uh, this squaw, was pavement, yeah, fire road. Exactly. Yeah. Squaw, lots of pavement, lots of fire road. And here I was impressed because I, I envisioned it being more fire road. Right. But it was so much single track. And then you hit they, you hit Forest Hill Road or Bath Road, whatever they want to call it. And it is just so cool because it's this just buttery downhill on pavement. But you can see just all the cars lined up. And right. you just get this big spurt of energy. Yeah. And nice. so I, I ran that. It's probably, you know, a mile and a quarter section that you just see people lined up and you get to the elementary school and it's they're just announcing all sorts of crazy stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, they're, here comes Preston and here comes so-and-so and here comes, you know. And then right as I get there, they announce, and Jim Wamsley has just broke the course record <laughs> in 1430. So that's right. what time I got to Forest Hill. Gotcha. So my 100K split was like 1430. That's really good. Um, which, yeah, I started to feel good. At that point, I think I was like 17 minutes behind 24-hour pace. So I'm kind of chipping away right. at that 24-hour. And, and just so everybody knows, I'm not that big of a dork with splits, but at every aid station they have 
this is aid station this, mile this. It is this many miles to the next aid station. Right. This is 24-hour time. Oh. This is the 30-hour cutoff time. That's right. kind of cool, and but so, you don't have to think about no, it. No, you don't. And you don't. so... I didn't have all these splits memorized for everybody out gotcha. there. I you didn't have to. I kind of didn't want to know yeah. until Forest Hill. Right. But, you know, it, it's there, and you, some of them I missed, some of them I didn't. But I had been making up time, and so Mike, Heather's husband, videoed this whole aid station. It was pretty cool to see, and I was there for six minutes, and that was probably my second longest aid station. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so I, I was really efficient through the smaller aid stations. The main ones, when I saw my crew, I kind of want – you want to stay a little bit because you want them to feel like they're they're part of it because right. I can't it's got to be tough to crew yeah you know because you're sitting there all day you're just hanging out right. watching people go by and that one for me was probably the toughest race I've ever crewed just because of the getting into the aid stations yeah how far apart you drive uh-huh like we talk about the bear or the other ones you drive a long way plus there's some you have to shuttle in yeah. So it, it is a long day. It takes some planning. And I yeah. guess they almost missed me at Robinson. Yeah. I, I didn't know because I guess the whatever directions they typed in took them on some random fire road Uh-oh. that was not the way to go. Right. And they figured it out pretty quickly because they knew that they were supposed to take a shuttle in yeah. to Robinson. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so I had no idea. And my, my wife was like, well, we were glad that you were running a little bit behind because we would have missed you at Robinson. Right. And so that was good that they didn't miss me. Yeah. Um, I would have been fine, though. Yeah. I was in a good place mentally. And right. That I could have, you know, I was prepared for something weird to happen. And so we get into Forest Hill. I pick up Heather. Um, they doused me down. I was probably my last ice bath was at Forest Hill. It it was so cold, you know, and putting ice in my hat. And I can't stress enough that that's the key, too, besides being conservative, is staying wet, staying cold all day. Right. Being uncomfortable because... <laughs> It's not fun to be wet all day. No, and your feet are wet, and yeah. everything is just wet. If you have foot problems, uh, this would be a tough race for just you. You gotta embrace them. At that yeah, point. you have to. Did you change your shoes ever? I did not. Okay. Um, socks. I, I I've never no shot no sock changes. Huh. Did you have like gangrene or like no? I had a little bit foot? of bacon foot. <laughs> I did have a little. I thought I had blisters by the end, but I didn't start to feel my feet as a problem until like ninety. Right. Mile 90. And by then, it's point, just, like, just whatever. whatever. whatever yeah, and so, yeah. But foot problems, if you have foot problems, you'd have to really figure out a mitigation plan early of what you were going to do. Right. Because it's... Crocs? It's, you're going through, probably, <laughs> you're going through so many stream crossings, and really? there's just no way to get around them. Yeah. And this was a low water year. because True. there. So I can only imagine in the higher water years when there's more snow and more runoff, Right. Yeah, they're probably more like rivers than huh. streams. So plan on getting your feet wet if right. you're listening to this, thinking about, you know, getting ready for this race. Um, but, yeah, so we get into Forest Hill and get the, get the last ice bath, and, and we take off. And Heather's really focused um, to kind of describe her. She's, she's an exercise and sports science major, former collegiate athlete, super fit. I mean, she won the Gib Wallace race. She took second at the Arches 50 uh, in February. She's a super fast runner um, and super focused. Right. And so she immediately starts talking to me, okay, what's our plan here? And my plan from 62, I was, I was kind of riding a wave. Is like, okay, we're going to be we're going to be as far ahead of 24-hour cutoff at the river, mile 78, as we can. Right. We've got to be. And so I'm going to run kind of stupid here because I, I told her. I was like, I'm going to run stupid through these first two aid stations because it's called Cal Street is what they call it. Right. And so there's like Dardanelles is like four miles from, from Forest Hill. Then there's Cal 1, Cal 2, and then Rucky Chucky. 
And I was like, okay, we're going to run through that second Cal Street aid station as fast as possible. And I felt like I was clicking off. I felt like I was running a seven-minute mile. Right. You know, I we were running hard and focused. And I was my stomach had, had turned around at that point. It was feeling good. And we ran hard. Right. And... And so we got about 25 minutes ahead in the, in the blink of an eye of the 24-hour pace. And then I was like, okay, we're going to start running a little smarter here, um, a little more. We're going to think sustainability a little bit longer. Right. And so we, in the, the river, I started thinking sustainability, but then I just kept running hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so we get to the river, and I didn't know how hard I had pushed until I, we got there, and my crew's there too. Right. And I started to, to feel a little dizzy. Uh-oh. Um, I was like, oh, and I almost fell over. I argued with my wife about something that she had already done, and I told her she didn't do. Like, Uh-oh. I thought I had given her gels, right. but that was like three aid stations. You know, like, <laughs> it was like way before. And it's like she's looking at me like, uh, what are you talking about? There's no more gels that I was going to give you. Right. I was like, yeah, there is. There's gels. I've got to have those gels. And I'm like, aid station volunteers are keeping me upright. But I was lucid, but right. not really. You, you know, I was loopy. pretty fa- pretty loopy. <laughs> and uh, then Heather hurries and hops in the porta potty before we cross the river. And I start following her over there because I don't know where the river's at. Right. Like, it's right there. It's all lit up. You know, it's like <laughs> there's lights all over. Yeah. They've got Christmas lights, like a runway down to it, you know. Yeah, where is this place? <laughs> I'm like, where's the river? Like, I'm like following Heather over here and... And my wife's like, the river's this way. I was like, oh. And I start walking. She's like, well, aren't you going to wait for Heather? And I was like, no, I'm good. Oh. <laughs> just like start going down. And I was I was really loopy. And uh, she's like, oh, here, drink some more Red Bull. And so, like, I, you know, I drank more. I drank a Red Bull. And, oh, here. And, like, they're sneaky with the calories. And I'm right. just like, okay, whatever. And, uh, and anyways, there was some funny stuff in that section. Like, I, I took. I had been eating cold quesadillas fine, and in that section before the river, they had some warm ones, and I took one bite of it and, like, dry heaved and, like, gave it to Heather. I was like, this sucks, (laughs) you know? Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, (laughs) it's where my stomach started to not be perfect. Right. Because I was running a little too hard probably, but I had to. Yeah. Um, I was focused. And so we crossed the river, and it's a climb up to Green Gate. It's like a two-mile climb, pretty steep. Um, and you're tired, and I, I didn't care. I was just like, okay, let's just move. We'll hike. A couple people go running by, and I was a total jerk. I was so tired. I was like, what are those people doing? Like I said to Heather, I was like, why are they running this? That's so stupid. <laughs> you know, I was like. <laughs> you were loopy. <laughs> and I'm sure they heard me, because actually one of them, we kind of leapfrogged with this pair, and, and uh, they kind of explained why they were running the uphill. Because gotcha. we would pass them on all the downhills. And, and you're probably looking, I'm like, I don't yeah. care. Why are you telling me this? And he's like, and the guy's pacer was pretty funny. He's like, yeah, Frank here, he's got 18-hour fitness on this course, but he's having a bad day. We're just, but all we can do is run the uphills right now. Right. So we're going to just run the uphills. <laughs> you guys keep running the downs. We'll keep seeing you. Yeah. And, and so it was just funny. So we're just like, there's a bunch of people chasing 24 hours at yeah. that point, right? right? Everybody's just focused. And you hit Green Gate, and then it's the start of the Auburn Lake Trails District, they call it. And it's all dark, obviously, through here. I mean, it's been dark since the first Cal Street Aid Station. Um, and I, again, I start feeling good. Uh, and I ran extra hard through that section. Um, all the way into mile 90, we were in and out of aid stations. I was eating everything I could. Um, and we dropped, 
a 9.45. And, nice. And Heather's like, are you sure we can keep running like this? And I was like, we just got to go. I've got to get ahead of that cutoff. I've right. got to get ahead. I told her at one point, I don't want to be the guy that comes in at 24.05. Yeah. I will not be that guy. And she's like, okay, just be smart. Keep eating. Keep doing this. And, and I started to... I think my body started to cool down, and I started to pee a lot. Right. And so I started to get worried that something was wrong with me. I don't know why. I mean, the pee was clear. It wasn't <laughs> like it was a problem. And we pushed it into mile 90, and all of a sudden my stomach all at once fell apart. But we were like 45 minutes ahead of the 24-hour cutoff. Right. I was like, okay, 10 miles. I can basically walk all but a mile and a half of this, and right. we got the goal. And I, I kind of checked out mentally there. I was like, okay, we've got this. And that's my only regret of the race is that I checked out right there. Uh-oh. She tra- she kept trying to push me. Right. She was like, okay, let's run. Let's run. You can run. And I was like, no, I can't run. That's my goal. <laughs> yeah. Good. And so I ran the parts that I had to. Um, my, I did everything I put in my mouth at that point. I dry heaved. Couldn't keep any, you know, I couldn't swallow anything. Um, I don't, it's probably a combination of just 90 miles and, right. and uh, fatigue. And we we walked it in, you know, through all all those iconic sections, through through the crossing of the highway, uh, up to the new aid station. They used to have the aid station, I guess, right at the highway. Yeah. And now they don't. You have to do this little kind of technical climb um, up to the valley where you run across this beautiful meadow. I'm sure in the day it's beautiful. You <laughs> see all the pictures of the front runners during right. the day go through there. Um, but I, I, I get to that aid station at, at 94. And uh, they're like, okay, what do you need? And I just, I was like, nothing. And I just walked through. <laughs> finish line. Yeah, I just, yeah, exactly. I just walked through. So the last 10 miles, I I probably drank four ounces of water. Oh. And uh, that was it. Gotcha. I mean, that's how it was going. Hmm. And uh, so we walked through there. It's a descent down into no to No Hands. And at No Hands, um, so that descent is an easy descent, I'm sure, but on those legs, it felt super technical, and my, my Ultra Spire light kind of started to, to fade, and so my depth perception was off, and I used that as an excuse to not run it, you know, <laughs> and it was run. super dusty, and I couldn't see. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I actually was a little worried that I, I was like, I don't want to take a digger now. Right. I mean, if I was going to fall, I mean, I should have fallen earlier, Right. and so I didn't fall all day. That's the first for me, just for the record, and every other Ultra race, I've fallen multiple times. Nice. Uh, no falls at Western. Uh, so we get to no hands. I tried to tried some ginger ale, spit it out immediately. Um, and I was like, okay, let's just walk. And that this is the only part of the course where I was mad that I didn't know the course because yeah. it's super runnable after no hands mm-hmm. for about a mile. And I just kept thinking, well, the climb's here somewhere, yeah. you know, I, why am I going to run? There's a climb. Right. <laughs> and so I walked and I, I had, so now we're back to the top 100 thing. I had gone all the way up to 86th place, I think. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> we, had, we had passed lots of people in that section. I, we really were running hard. It wasn't just me feeling like it. And uh, I got passed by like 20 people from oh. no hands to, to the end. No hands. Yeah. Huh? No, I remember when I was pacing, no hands to basically when you come out onto the uh-huh. road seems forever. It does. <laughs> It does, and it seems even more forever when your pacer is doing a really good job and you can't talk because you're angry, not at her, but just at this, you're right. like, I just want to be done. You know, and I was still a little stressed about the time just because, you know, you can't do math. Right. Like, uh, I think I can walk it in. 
And, uh, you know, I just kept walking. I didn't stop, so that was good. I knew I couldn't stop. Um, so then that climb gets pretty grunty at the end there. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I know people run it. Yeah. I wish I would have. But I, I had this weird thought in my head, too. Like, your mind plays weird games with you. Right. It's like, well, if you push too hard, you're going to be the guy that passes out on the track and doesn't finish. <laughs> you know, like, I, I was like, you've got your goal. Why push it any harder and collapse and not be able to finish? That sure. was a legitimate thought that went through my mind and probably not legitimate, but it felt like it felt real at the moment. And so we get to the top of the road and Heather's husband's there at the, that little aid station there at Roby Point. And then that's the worst part of the race is right here. <laughs> it's like a, a half mile of steep paved uphill. <laughs> steep. So... You get done with the dirt, you're not done with the yeah, climb. Right. And, and then Mike's like, Mike's like, oh, just to those lights is all we've got to go. And then it's then it's done. And he's like, oh, wait, those were the wrong lights. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. I think he was kind of teasing he's me, too. Guy. But it was funny. And uh, I, I didn't care. I knew it was going to be long, right. longer than I wanted it to be. And we walked. And, and I was like, I'm just walking it in. I'm not running. You know, I was like, this is defiant. This is stupid. <laughs> you know? And so we're walking down the down the paved road now. And, you know, it's really cool uh, to be there. And you start hearing the, the stadium. You start hearing the announcer in the stadium. And, and then this guy comes up behind me. And, and it was a, a guy that I had worked with all day. His name was Ian from Vancouver. And he uh, he's like, we did it, buddy. We did it. And because me and him had been super focused on and early on. I mean, there's pictures of us at Robinson Flat together. So mm-hmm. 30 miles, we leapfrogged. You're, right. From 30 miles on, we were right there. And, he, and uh, that gave me the energy I needed. And I was able somehow, magically, to be able to run again. And we ran it in. But... It was uh well you have when you get that track you have to run. Well, I, yeah, yeah, there was people that didn't. <laughs> oh, I know. But I was going to be one of those people. Yeah. I was pretty determined until Ian came up behind me and got he got me all fired up. Uh just cuz we we ran a smart race. Yeah. Right. And I like I said looking back on it, I could have maybe squoze another 30 minutes out of it from the day I had if I wouldn't have given up mentally. Right. I mean, not given up, but just I had reached my end. Right. I had worked so hard. That mile from 62 to 90, I've never worked so hard in my life in, in any kind of physical activity. I was I was pushing it so hard. Nice. <laughs> I was pretty proud of that effort because that's what I wanted to do going in. Right. And, uh, you know, then I kind of gave myself a break, which, good or bad, maybe I should have thought more sustainability through that section. But it worked out. It did. We got to the end. So... Kind of regressing a little bit, just back on the course itself. I mean, when we talked to you last time, you talked about mentally, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and we've heard it throughout this description here. Overall, though, considering what you went through, how you trained for it, do you feel like the mental side, you you kept it together? And I know you say you checked out at 90, but, I mean, that's 90 miles. Yeah. You still hit your goal. Right? Yeah, and I would say compared to Bear, it was night and day. I, I was so much more dialed in. Right. Uh I will say this to anybody that's kind of new to 100 milers. Uh, I mean, this was just my second. Going under 24 hours in a mountain course is no joke. Right. Western states, people run fast times not because it's an easy course, but because it takes a lot to get in. Right. Yeah. The fa- All the fast people are there, so that inflates the time. Mm-hmm. And then everybody who's running the race is, I mean, multiple 100-mile finishes under their belts. Right. I was probably one of the least experienced runners there. 
because uh, people are, you know, putting in for five, six, seven straight years to just get in. Right. And people put everything they have into that race. That's why the times are fast. Yeah. Because it's, it's an elite field. Even the back of the pack is elite. I mean, you got people, I mean, people finishing in 27 hours that have won races. Right. Well, and I think it goes back to this. It's like you don't know if you'll ever get in again. Exactly. Sure. So it's like that's a race. That you, if you want to do it, I mean, you got to be ready for yeah. it. It's not one of those. Oh, I'll do it next year. Exactly. Or, or whatever. And generally speaking, uh, I think that it's early enough in the season that people aren't as injured either. True. You know, I think yeah. that helps the times. It's, it's, it's an early hundred. Yeah. People are are feeling good coming out of their winter stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's all sorts of things. It, it no, don't get it. I. I thought it was going to be easier than I thought the course was going to be easier than the bear. Right. But it was not. It's a different course. It's different. Yeah. It's, different. it's hot. Yep. Downhill. It's downhill. Right. It pounds yet, but there's lots of climbing. I mean, there's eighteen thousand feet of climbing. Right. Yeah. It's eighteen thousand feet's not a road marathon. No. You know, it's it, it's the real deal, and the amount of focus that it takes to go under twenty four hours, it, it it was exhausting as much as the physical part of it. Right. Because you just can't show up and do that. No. Yeah. Well, some people might be able to, but. I, I can't. Uh, I think there's just there's so many factors. I don't know if you really could. You know, I mean, there's things you yeah. can't control, like the heat, and you see people training in parkas and you know training that way. But at the end of the day, once you get on the course, I mean, it's still different. Like yeah. if you're in a t-shirt that's wet, not in a parka and a beanie yeah. and pants. And so, I mean, you can just like any race, you can prepare as much as you want. But once you get in it, you, it's just you're in it. Right? Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, going with the heat too. People talk about heat training or versus just a, a heat plan, right? And you heard elites, non-elites, all talking about different things, and, right? And I, I dabbled in a little bit of both. I ran in the in the day. I, I did a whole full-on like long sleeve run, and and I just felt like that was not beneficial. I felt so drained, and so I did one like official heat training run, right? And you know, I I think that you just got to have a plan is the key. Right? right, whether your plan is to heat train or whether your plan is to stay cold all day or as cool as you can, mm-hmm. uh, that you just got to execute it. Right, and so that's. And I think one thing you mentioned early on too is when you do have a plan, I think planning for a hundred. And this is my experience talking to a f- few people as well. By no means an expert, it really there's no plan until 50 or 60. Yeah. Right. I mean, you hit 50 or 60, that's when things start to take place. Mm-hmm. And they, people, a lot of people say, Oh, the, the hundred mile races don't start till mile 60. Yeah. Right. Because like you said, you were how 45 minutes or yeah. so far behind. So mentally, if you would have started to check out thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm that far behind early. I should be faster. It's over. Yeah. So uh, you, you really have to take a big picture sky view saying, okay, it, your finish time matters, not your mile thirty time. Exactly, right? and you've I mean, got to you've got to have the confidence too yeah. that you can do that. I mean, that's I I struggled with that at times during the day. Is like, man, my legs feel like lead right now. Mm-hmm. How am I going to run from right. sixty two to to the end? And you know, you just have to stay focused. Though. Yeah. So that that's the hardest part of hundred mile races. What uh, what do you feel like was the low point of that entire race? Like, you could have one thing that jumps in your mind. What was like your low point of that race? Um, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, where I felt the most discouraged early in the race was that descent into devils. I I was feeling pretty sorry for myself there, um, <laughs> just because it was so long and so hot. Right. As far as my low mental point would have been from 90 to the finish. I mean, that's kind of, it, it was kind of, well, I guess 90 to the track and then I right. felt good. But I, uh, that was my lowest part. I, I wasn't talking. I wasn't eating. 
I felt like I did at points during the bear where I was just done. Right. But I had I had knew I had reached my goal, and may you know like you say, like well, like I was saying, maybe your goal is almost a detriment once you meet it, because then you kind of like oh I, I got my goal, mm-hmm. and my super A awesome if it was eighty degrees and everything went perfect <laughs> day would have been like maybe twenty two hours right, but uh, that was not even close, yeah. and so I I think that something to keep in mind for me going forward is to readjust your goals no matter what, right. whether it's faster, whether it's slower. Like maybe when I got 45 minutes ahead, my next goal should have been like, okay, well, let's let's go under 23. Right. Yeah. And then if I would have got ahead of that, well, let's go under 2330 right. or 2230 and just kind of work, work at it that way right. a, instead of just settling. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy to do when you're tired. Right. Well, settle. well, and again, it's 100 miles, so things change so dramatically and sometimes drastically Yeah. to where if you would have said that, I mean, even though you're sub-24, if you'd have been pushing for 22-30 and then started fading the other way, uh-huh. in your mind you could have went, oh, man, I can't keep fading to that. So that's another worry. Exactly. Right? So, I mean, I think it's a double-edged sword no it matter is. how you look at it. But, I mean, really at the end of the day, sub-24 was the, the goal. It was, it the, was goal. the goal. You hit. I mean, a lot of times it's, oh, I want to finish or I want to do this, but mm-hmm. 24, that was your goal. You did it. Yep. And... You can look back now and say, oh, I could have, would have, should have. Yeah. But at but the end of the day, you've got the buckle sitting there. Right. Yeah. So you really can't ask for much more. And that's why you keep doing it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what, I mean, for me, draws me back to it. So is it a race you want to do again? Uh, I, I'll put in for it again. Yeah. Uh, it, it was tough, though. I, it was much, much tougher on me than, than I expected. Right. But now I know what to expect. Yeah. Sure. It's funny though. A lot of people run worse their second time out there, I think, than they do their first time. They go out. Yeah. Because they, because they think they. Oh, I did yeah. it here last year because right. it's uh-huh. different every year. No it matter, is. I mean, you could be better fit, everything else, but if you it run different somewhere, you get yeah. the wrong calorie at the wrong time. So uh-huh. it's, it's not as simple as oh, I trained better. I knew the course. I should go faster. It's like, oh, yeah, crap, you know, because course knowledge is a big deal. Yeah, you guys know that when yeah. you know what's coming, right. you can prepare yourself. And sometimes to me. Course knowledge could be a negative impact. It can if you're in the low spot at the wrong time. Because yeah. you're like, oh, God, I got this climb. I don't want to do this climb today. Yeah. You right. Know, or exactly. whatever. And you know, before going in. Like, I remember the very first time I did Wasatch, I never did chin scraper. Uh-huh. And that's all I heard about. All I heard about. <laughs> and I was so scared. Uh-huh. And I remember I didn't want to train on it because I was terrified of it. Yeah. First time I ran it, I got to the top of chin scraper and I was like, that, that, was, that was chin scraper. Like yeah, exactly. was I was deal. so worked yeah. up over something, and maybe, yeah. and it is, it's not easy. Yeah. But I think because of how many people worked it up to a certain hype, right. I was yeah. expecting, like literally, to kind of fall backwards and fall off a mountain. You yeah, know what I mean, exactly. Well, and that's kind of like Devil's Thumb. Devil's Thumb is a steep, stout climb. It is hot. It right. sucks. No, yeah. no way around it. But for me personally, the hardest climb of the day was from the bottom of Duncan Canyon up to Robinson Flat. Yeah. Right. That took the longest. It was the most exposed climb I had all day, and it just, I hated it. Hmm. Um, all the other climbs were just normal climbs that you encounter in a 100-mile mountain race. Right. You know? So it, it is weird how how everybody has a different view of the same course. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I would. I look forward to, to going back one day. What would you do differently if you got back, say, next year you got in? What, is there anything you'd do differently as far as your training goes? So as far as my training goes, I don't know that I would do much different. I think I was right about where my threshold is. Uh, I did, like, nine straight weeks of over 70 miles, between mm-hmm. 70 and 80, and I think that was plenty and yeah. about what my body could take. Right. I'd like to be a little lighter. 
Yeah. You know, that that would be one thing that I'd change. If I could race at 175 or 180, um, I think that would make a big difference. Right. Obviously. <laughs> um, and then one big thing is I did a, a lot of drop bags. I didn't rely on my crew to bring a lot of stuff to aid stations to to take pressure off of them. Right. But that made it so so I pre-mixed all my rock tame because mm-hmm. I wanted to save time. Right. Because that takes time. It does. To mix it. And so I had it in just bottles ready to go, and it was so hot. Oh, and the yeah. flasks that I had, uh, the cap is too small to put ice in. Yeah. And so I was drinking hot drinks mm. for a lot of the day. Rock tea. Yeah, <laughs> it was It was definitely a, not rock tan. It was rock tea, and it wasn't a summit tea flavor, unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it that would have been a change, too. I would have had them bring cold drinks uh, okay. to to the spots they could be at. Right. So those those would be my big takeaways. I think I ran plenty. I mean, as far as my training, I think it was pretty appropriate for the race. You have to run, you have to do mountain climbing and mountain running, but you have to do a lot of shoreline trail type running too. Yeah, right. I think I did pretty well with that. Gotcha. So overall, good good uh, good weekend. Yeah, great weekend, and I can't say enough about the crew from Utah that was out there that that I was around. You know, Brandon Dace had a good day. Uh, Eric Nelson had a great day. Yeah. Finished right behind me. Amy had some stomach issues, but finished strong. I mean, it was cool to be able to run and work with three Utah, you know, us three Utahns together. You know, yeah. I kept cracking jokes, you know, what are the odds that three Utahns would all be in the Devil's Thumb Aid Station all at once? <laughs> right. You know, and people are like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> Go away. Go away. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just, it's an incredible atmosphere out there. And just the ultra community is incredible. Yeah. And that event showcases that more than anything. Right. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. We're psyched. We're super pumped for how well you did. We followed along because have a great tracking, obviously. Yeah. Easy to find results. Yep. Yep. Um, so it was, that was awesome. So and then you have the bear coming up. Yeah. And that's kind of your next race. You haven't it registered is. for anything else in between. Yeah. And so Not you, yet. When the, and the bear, <laughs> you want to do sub-24 there, right? I do. And after Western, do you feel more comfortable hitting that? I'm more nervous about it. All right. Gotcha. Um, but... It's hard to compare, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can, two different courses. It's two different courses. The weather's different. Yeah. Obviously, I think us Utahns do a little bit better in the cold mountains right. rather than the warm, hot desert. Uh, well, it's not the desert. It's mountains, too, but it felt like the desert. Uh, I, it'll depend on the weather at the Bear, too, right? Yeah. Right. We don't ever know what we're going to get up there. Well, we've been be guaranteed terrible. it's supposed to be good. Yeah, Bryce, Bryce Warren's guaranteed perfect weather, and he, yeah. he reaffirmed at Logan Peak last week. How does Bryce Warren know? Does he have a, a calculation? I think he's, he's pretty – he's got a crystal ball. He's only run the race a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. But he's, he's guaranteed it for us, so yeah. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, so that's that's the focus, though, is heading into Bear. I'll, I'll run something between I – th- I think I told you guys that on the last podcast. Yeah. I don't know what, though. Right. I've just got to decide. Yeah, because some of them fill up quick if they're not already full. Yeah, so some gotta, don't. Yeah, some at all. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so away from that now, the, what everybody wants to know about, um, who's your pick for the World Cup now? Uh, well, my because uh, Argentina doesn't look so right good. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. we're missing Argentina. Yeah, that's I, okay. I've got it recording. Much. Yeah, Argentina doesn't look real good. No. They uh, they have kind of an issue with with togetherness. Well, right the way now, I feel. Well, apparently their coach is kind of just a figurehead at this point. Right? Yeah. And, uh, they're picking their own starting lineup, so that should go yeah. really well. That should go really well. <laughs> no, they, they've they always struggled in that federation, really, since Maradona was done. I mean, they've, they, I mean, they, I think they've won a World Cup since, but it's just been kind of a struggle. And you look at countries like Uruguay, 
and they're much smaller, but they're much more organized. Right. They have big personalities. I mean, yeah. Suarez is about as big of a personality. <laughs> a big jumper, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, if you look, at, they can they can manage his attitude. Yeah. You know, you look at these other teams that manage the attitudes just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I would have loved Argentina to pull something off, but it looks like it's done for this group. I think they're looking done. good. Yeah. So who's your who's your who's your favorite? Well, I'd love I'd love it if it wasn't one of the normal. The normal like, like Belgium. I'd love Mexico. Yeah. I mean, not that I love Mexican I'm soccer, but I'm I not. would love to watch Mexico win. I want to see them lose Cup. 7 0. No, you don't. I really do. Do you really? Okay, six. <laughs> <laughs> Once we know it gets past three, it's going to be bad anyway. Um, you know, I've, I enjoyed, like you guys talked about on Thursday's podcast, I really enjoyed that Spain Portugal game. Yeah. I mean, that was easy to watch for even people that don't like soccer. Except the bad news is old uh, Ronaldo should have been red carded yesterday. I didn't Ooh, see it. No, I saw that. I don't think he should. If it would have been anybody else, they would have got a red card. Really? Right before the second one, he looked at the guy. If he yeah, wouldn't he have done did. that, calculated, sized him uh-huh. up, yeah, he would have been he, fine. He sized him up. Did he they review it? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Really? And then he got mad. He got a yellow. Yeah. He was oh, all upset. Geez. I'm like, dude. He, he glanced him. I think if, if he clocked him a little harder, yeah. I think it would have been uh, another team. Yeah, he, they've been red card. Yeah, if it would have been American for sure, oh, yeah. he probably would have got a double red card. Yeah, they would yeah. have two guys off. Yeah. Yeah. No, I watched yesterday. I watched a little bit of the Russia uh, Uruguay game. Uruguay looks good. Yeah, I think they're playing well together. Um, they seem very organized. I think that's what it takes. I mean, that's why Germany's yeah. so good every year, right? Except this year, this year they're they not got organized. Tomorrow is a big day for yeah. them. Yeah. They can make it through the first round, which I think they will. Yeah, my Belgium's still my pick if they can shore up their defense. Yeah, as of right now, no, they're it's kind of wide open. It is. It really is it totally wide be open. A sneaker. This yeah. may be the most wide open World Cup I can remember. Yeah. Because every other time is like, oh yeah, this is France's year. Oh yeah, right. this is Germany's year. Because France oh, hasn't yeah. looked that great. No, they, they haven't. drew zero zero against Denmark today. Yeah. So they don't. They don't. Look, I, I don't think they're the only team that stands out to me. Really, is Belgium. Yeah. Right. No one else has like put their foot forward because you got to look at the groups they're playing. Uh huh. Exactly. Like, yeah, they, those guys suck. Anyway, you should have beat them that bad. Right. Yeah. Um, so otherwise, I'm like, eh, it's going to get interesting. It's going it to come down to the cards. Yep. And the, you know the draws and the and the the quarterfinals or whatever. Yep. I guess the round of sixteen. Yep. They come the out. Quarterfin- yep. No. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll be they'll be solidified here soon. Yeah, and that plays a big role. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, as far as the teams I've watched, I like Uruguay uh, as much as I, as my Argentine friends wouldn't like that. Right? They call it the province. They don't even consider it a country. <laughs> it's the province because awesome. it used to be part of Argentina. Gotcha. Right. So, anyways, I yeah, the World Cup's been fun though. Yeah, it's been good. Well, hey, thanks for taking the time. Uh, congratu- huge congratulations! Yeah. Not just a congratulations, huge congratulations. I mean, it was cool to see you. Uh, talk to you right when you got in basically and then uh, see the process leading up to it because we've seen you on the trails got you on the podcast and then to see how well you've done so cool appreciate uh, it super cool and uh bringing a, a silver western states buckle to o-towns always solid yeah it was it was a lot of hard work but i appreciate all the support i mean yeah. I, it, some of the low points that that helps when you know that there's a lot of people there watching what you're doing and not in a bad way i mean yeah. i i enjoy I enjoy pushing through because it's tough. Yeah. It's tough out there. Makes it more rewarding at the end, too, though, right? It does. It's just kind of like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Double scoop ice cream. Suck out. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even go over what I've eaten since the race. <laughs> we, could, all, we could have yeah, a whole other podcast yeah, that about that. Be, right? That could be. Yeah. It's been, it's been good. All well, right on. Well, thanks, thanks again uh, for coming on. Congratulations, and uh, good luck at the bear. Thank yeah, you. We'll, see you, we'll see you guys out there. All right. Sounds good. All right. 
Thank you for listening to the Trail Manners Podcast. We'd like to thank Preston Wood for taking the time to join us today. And you can check more of the race on the Western States website, or you can head over to the Trail Manners website, check out our store page, hit us up on the contact page, let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or if you would like to be on the show. Until next time, this is Eric Manning with Joel Hatch reminding you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it.